I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. I'm a superhero, my A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become a hero? Initiating surprise in three. This, two, is one. The Real Brian Show. It is The Real Brian Show. Welcome back. All right, today I have the privilege of speaking with an actress who has an extremely powerful story of overcoming a painful and difficult obstacle in her life to get to where she's at today and have the opportunity to now be in a lead role in Hollywood. I am so excited to share her story, and I know it's going to encourage you greatly. Let's rock it! Oh my gosh, I'm you know, it's it's just such a great day here, and I am so thankful you're with me. I'm the real Brian. Realbrianshow.com. Go there, check everything out, see you know what it is you'd like to look at. I just want to say, by the way, special thank you and shout out to Emily O'Leary for writing the blog posts companion to this episode, to every episode. They're incredible. Go read them, they're awesome. And I also want to say thank you to Josh Rivers Podcast Guy Media for uh, you know helping out with the production of the Wednesday and Friday episodes. Thank you so much. Go check him out and go check out what he's doing as well. All right. So I'm, like I said, very excited here because we have such a powerful story and I'm going to be talking with Michelle Morgan, who is an actress and has acted in the reboot of Total Recall, as well as shows including Supernatural, Beauty and the Beast, Covert Affairs, just to name a few. She's currently Hillary Curtis on The Young and the Restless. And Michelle is working with Andrea Dre Paul and Lee Steven. We talked to Andrea recently, as you know, for that upcoming project, The Awakening. Now, as I mentioned, she has an incredible story of overcoming a painful and difficult obstacle in her life to get to where she's at today. Well, Michelle, welcome to The Real Brian Show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so glad you were able to get here. You just ran back from an audition, which, by the way, good luck on that. I hope that goes well. Yes. Thank you. Me too. It'll be nice. It'll be fun to play a different character for a, for at least a little while. Lee Steven came to me and he said, you've got to talk to Michelle. Tell <laughs> me a little bit about your story, just just a little bit and how mm-hmm. you went through a pretty intense situation and how you basically were able to overcome that and get to where you're at today. But I would love to hear your story about that, but also what you're doing and then, you know, how that's all going for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, my story, and it's really become my story. I feel like I've, I've spoken about it at a lot of different events and a lot of different interviews that I've had, but there is something, it never really gets old because it is kind of a, a little bit of a crazy story. But basically what happened to me was I was in university. I was in my second year of university. No, no, I was finishing up because I, I just, I think I was taking my LSATs for the first time. And I went to Trinidad on vacation for Christmas time because um, I'm originally Trinidadian. Oh, nice. And, and then um, my cousins, we kind of arrived and we were, you know, ready to go as soon as we landed. And my cousins were like, you know, let's go, let's go out. I just, we were super exhausted. So I was like, I don't know if we want to go, but okay, like, you know, it's, it's late, but we're only in Trinidad every now and then. So let's, you know, let's go do some stuff. So we basically went out, but then I ended up kind of having... I don't know, kind of almost like stomach issues. Like I really needed to go home. I was like, uh, I think, I think we should just go because I was feeling really tired and my stomach was feeling funny. So I was like, okay, let's. So we jumped in the car. I was in the back seat. 
basically we were heading home and my cousin, she wasn't really sure exactly what happened, but basically I fell asleep. And when I woke up, there was these guys pulling me out of the car. And I just remember this really sharp pain in the back of my neck is actually what woke me up. Mm. So I kind of woke up while they were pulling me through the window because all the doors were seized. So they're pulling me through the window over the passenger's chair and then through the other wow. window. Yeah. So they were like, they were try- really trying to get me out. And they got all of my, um, everybody else that we were with out. My, I was also with my older sister and my two cousins and one of their cousins. So we were all out and we were all waiting. And I, just, I remember feeling fine. My, I remember my older sister who was okay. She just, she was like, Michelle, go sit down. I was like, no, you sit down. Cause she's a little bit more high strung than me. So I was kind of <laughs> A little more concerned with her, yeah. but and I didn't tell her at the time that I was looking around and I was like, I couldn't remember. I, I knew we were in Trinidad. I was looking at the palm trees. I was looking at my cousins, but I couldn't remember coming there. So oh, I didn't wow. want to tell her that because I knew she was going to freak out. Yeah. And then by the time we got to the hospital, as sad as it is, which that's why I feel like healthcare is so necessary for everybody, because the doctors at the hospital basically said, if you don't have money to do an MRI what we think happened is the bone probably just shifted out of place. So what we'll do is we'll like, um, you know, put a halo on you and attach these weights and just like shift it back into place. It might take, you know, a, a little while, but it'll just shift slowly shift back into place. And basically if I had done that, I would have been paralyzed from the neck down. Ooh. So thank God my dad was, like, no, we have the money for an MRI, just do the MRI because they did the MRI and they realized that my the bone was actually broken in three places. It was pinching my my spinal column. It's the C7, it's the bone that sticks out in the back of your neck, but mm-hmm. it's actually the other side of the bone that broke. So basically I would have been paralyzed from the neck down if I <laughs> we didn't have money for an MRI. So that was pretty sad because I was I just I still to this day think about that the fact that there are people out there who would say no we don't have the money for that and their lives would be totally different right now but well, it's interesting too that doing I mean I understand like the MRI is so ridiculously expensive which mm-hmm. is a problem but at the same time it's interesting that a doctor would want to prescribe some sort of treatment without actually knowing for sure yeah I know mm. it's unfortunate mm. yeah but in hindsight so after that happened my dad kind of freaked out. My dad said, you know, we got to call the Canadian embassy. They almost like paralyzed my daughter. She's a Canadian citizen. Like, who? so my dad really went crazy after that. And basically it put everything, it halted everything. So I was kind of just stuck in the hospital for about five days, just flat on my back, just staring at the ceiling because my dad was trying to, you know, get another neurosurgeon. Um, he was trying to get so basically the Canadian doctors were amazing. They flew down and they wanted to take me back to Canada, but they couldn't because Trinidad, the Trinidadian hospital didn't have the right equipment to stabilize me. So they actually left me there. (laughs) And I just remembered, I remembered when they came to take me and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going home. And then they were like, we can't take you. Like they were all, they were prepping me to go. And then last minute, the doctor came back and said that he couldn't take me because of this and this. But he said that he was going to set me up with a person that he knows that is based there in Trinidad, but does work in Canada, does work in the US, does work in Europe and England and everything. So he was like a world-class surgeon, very well known. So I actually ended up lucking out. I was waiting for about five days for them to arrange all of that. And I had a lot of time to think. And I remember thinking that like, I was generally, you know, even at that time I was 19, I was a good person. I, I didn't, I didn't really have any crazy rival story, like sibling rivalry stories or like, 
crazy coming of age stories where I, you know, I did some crazy stuff and I was, you know, not listening to my parents and just rebelling. And I didn't have those experiences. I was a pretty good kid. So I kind of didn't have any regrets. And I just remembered lying there, kind of coming to terms with the fact that, you know, if something goes wrong in the surgery or my dad can't find the right surgeon to do the surgery, I just kind of remember coming to terms with the fact that I'm okay. You know, like I actually mm-hmm. had a great life and, and I could probably still become a lawyer and do the things that I wanted to do because I wanted to do international human rights law. That's what I wanted to do. And then I just remembered it literally felt like it sounded like a voice. Like it was like a voice just kind of like right inside my ear that just was like, oh, but, and I just remembered, I remember it clear as day and it basically said like, but you never tried. That's all I remember it saying. And it was like my soul really knew exactly what they meant because I've had throughout my entire life, I've always had these opportunities to act and to do different things. And it's all, I've always had this love for it. I was a very realistic, logical person. So being an actor was like the craziest thing that I could imagine. Like it was basically (laughs) like winning the lottery. Like it just seemed like such an absurd career path to even consider. So I knew exactly what my, I don't know if it was God. I don't know if it was my mind. Well, yeah, I think it was a bit of everything. God, the universe, everything kind of just was like, yeah, but you never tried. And I just really thought about that for a while. And I realized like I never like when I was, in high school, I remember, you know, I had these opportunities to do things and my my high school drama teacher was so adamant about me going to university for acting and she was actually upset with me that I wasn't, um, which was really interesting to me at the time. But now I kind of see it where she saw this potential in me that I wasn't taking seriously at all. And so this was the first time that I, I guess God and the universe kind of forced me to really consider what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And did I fulfill and do everything that I wanted to do? So after that, I went on a a huge soul searching journey and I got into law school. I didn't quit that right away. I basically applied, like I finished my LSATs, I applied, I was ready to go. Um, But a few months earlier, I had met my agent randomly because he basically, he was at a rap party at a bar that I was bartending at while I was in university. Mm-hmm. And before that, I remember like just basically saying like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to try it out. I just don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I don't know how to do this. And I remember driving and just feeling so lost and feeling like this is what I have to do. This is what I have to pursue. This is what makes me feel the most alive. And it's what I feel like God in the universe wants me to pursue. So why do I feel like I don't know what to do? And then I remember I met my agent very soon after that. And I just remember laughing, just kind of being like, this is crazy. Because I literally asked, can you send me somebody who can kind of guide me and show me what to do and how to handle myself in this industry? And like, somebody's not going to scam me. So I ended up randomly meeting my agent and mm. I booked a role after I was like my very first audition I booked. It was a wow. music video. Yeah. So it was like, okay, I, I guess this is the right path. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I remember I would book things right out the gate. And I think it was probably three months into me working with my agent at the time. And I called him because I hadn't booked anything for a month. And I called him and I said, David, I'm like, I hope everything's okay. I haven't booked anything for like a month. Like I, you, I know you've been sending me an auditions. Like I feel so bad. Like and he, he, I just remember him laughing. He was like, yeah, there's actors who don't book things for years. Like, you're fine. <laughs> you just started and you've already booked, you know, three things. You're fine. So I was like, oh, OK. So I just kind of kept going on the journey. Yeah. And 
I was on the right path. It was like everything was just flowing. Eight months into it, I booked bigger role. Ten months into it, I booked my first series regular role and a kids show. But I still didn't quit law school. I was still like, it's been in my back pocket. You know, I'm not ready to kind of jump completely in. And then I got into law school. And two weeks before I was supposed to go, well, three weeks before I was supposed to go, I basically had a conversation with myself where I said, you know, this is what I said I was going to do. And now I have the opportunity to do it. Not only do I have the opportunity to do it, but it's actually working out. You know, I'm actually making money and getting a lot of acting jobs and jobs that I'm having a lot of fun in and characters that have really changed my perspective. Hmm. And so I was really excited about it. But then I was like, but I can't give up everything that I've worked for, you know, like I worked towards being an actor. I mean, being a lawyer at the time, my whole life and acting was kind of something that was on the back burner. And I just didn't know how to make that decision, you know, so I kind of had another moment with myself. And I basically said, you know, this is meant to be if I'm supposed to be an actor, then something will happen that will force me to make the decision that I need to make. So I'm like, I don't know what it is, but something's going to happen. And two weeks before I was supposed to go to law school, my agent basically called me and he said, you're not going to law school. You booked another series regular role. This is going to pay for your whole law school education. So you're definitely not going because because I want my cut. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah. And then that was it. And I kind of took it as, as kind of a sign from the universe that I needed to jump in now. You know, like it was kind of like they gave me everything, all the signs and, you know, God gave me everything that I was like searching for and hoping for and praying for and like mulling over. And it was basically delivered to me on a platter, but I never actually made any active decision to really jump in and commit to this until that point. And when all of that kind of happened, I just said, okay, let's go on this ride. And I've been an actor since, and it's been a crazy ride because literally right after I committed to being an actor, the next year, I did not work at all. Oh, of course. It was the craziest thing. Yeah, yeah. because that's how the universe works. It's like, well, this is really what you want to do. Well, now I'm going to really put you to the test. And (laughs) I really really understood what it was like to be a starving artist. Definitely. I kind of had the, you know, the experience of just like, no, you know, like not a lot of callbacks, nobody really being interested in or getting close to things and then losing out on them. And but being an actress put me on on a journey that it's like now I understand why I was put on this journey. And it had a lot to do with finding myself and finding who I am. Oh, it's just crazy to think that like I'm an actor and I pretend to be other people and I embrace other people's lives. And, you know, I walk in their shoes for a period of time. But doing that has changed the person who I am in so many ways. And I, I believe in, you know, great ways and Mm -hmm. has made me a person that like is trusting of the universe, a person that is, that has faith now, which I never used to. I've just completely changed everything before I went through a period, especially when I was in that dark period for a year, I went through a period where I just literally was like, I don't know if the, you know, I was just very negative, you know, about a lot of different things and not just acting or it was I just became really negative which was really interesting because I'd always been a really positive person but after that experience I forced myself to really look into myself and do some work on myself and I kind of came out of it more positive than I've ever been more optimistic more you know ready for the world and whatever the world has to offer for me and excited about all of the experiences that I'll have so yep that was my journey and this and I'm really happy it worked out and then since then I booked Young the Russas, which is definitely my biggest role that I've had mm-hmm. so far in my career. And I booked that about 
four years ago now Mm -hmm. and I moved down to LA and my life has been completely different. And then 20 months ago I had a baby and now I can't even remember that girl who was in the car. (laughs) Wow. Gosh, what a story. I really appreciate that. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little long winded. (laughs) No, that's all right. And I I wonder how many people kind of go through something similar to this because as you're telling your story, I'm thinking that has been almost my story. I mean, you know, of course, different circumstances, but I'm more into that performance role as well. And of course, I've been a little more entrepreneurial. So it's kind of like you have that though in the back where you're going, you go through a tough situation and you kind of wonder if you're going to come out of it. You know, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. am I going to be paralyzed or am I going to survive or not? And, but then you get into it and you've got your, I liked the safety net thing you were going with, you know, well, I've worked hard at this. I don't want to get rid of that, you know, and then you get so many opportunities (laughs) and then the next year, nothing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've so been there. So I I I feel like everybody's been there. I feel like that's a transformative time in everybody's life. It's just that we all go through it at different times in our lives. Yeah. But I feel like there is a time in everybody's life, especially when you take the plunge and you decide that you're going to commit to something that seems crazy, because usually the things that seem really crazy, but you can't let it go, you can't give up on it. It's just always stuck in your mind. It's probably because that's something you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And usually when you commit to it, then everything challenges you. You know, everything's like, are you really sure, you know, that you that this is what you want? And you just got to kind of stick with it and trust and believe that you made the right decision no matter where it takes you. Because I feel like the most amazing part of my journey in terms of all of this, it was that I went in wanting to be an actor and wanting to find my place as an actress and, you know, be respected in the roles that I do and all of these other, you know, ideas that I put on being an actor. But I came out, I went in like that, but then I really came out of it not caring if I'm an actor or not, just transformed on the level where now I understand why I want to create content and why I want to um, be an advocate for a lot of the characters that that I become. I understand that, but now it's like to a bigger level where I, my whole life has been so transformed by this experience that being an actor is just such a small part of it. Your career is such a small part of who you are. Yeah. The transformations in your life are the things that are priceless. I'm really glad you said that because that's something that I, I, I know a lot of people struggle with, especially, you know, when they're getting into it, they're going and saying like, I want to be respected. I need to make money. I want to have success or whatever. And, and you know, it's interesting because in the world of podcasting, I hear it a lot mm-hmm. because I used to do a podcast for podcasters, but I hear it a lot and I hear it not just from podcasters, but from others saying it's all about the numbers. It's all about how many listeners you have and how much money you're making from it. And I'm sitting mm-hmm. here thinking, no, it's about changing the world. It's about impacting one person at a time. But, yeah. but you're right. You know, people go into whatever career they're in or whatever mission they're, you know, going into whatever their, you know, their mission in life is. And I think a lot of times you go in for the wrong reasons, but ideally you come out with the right reasons. What kind of advice yeah. would you have though? Cause I think that we're all bombarded with the junk, the wrong stuff. Mm-hmm. How do you fight yeah. against that? I remember being bombarded by all of those things of like, you know, I want to make money and I want to have money that I can do this for my parents and do that for my cousins and my uncles. And, you know, like just very, very superficial reasons why I wanted to be an actor. And I think what made me come out of that was was that really I mean, I'm saying it's a year because now it feels like a year, but it must have maybe been really bad about two years, you know, where I just kind of was a lot of things were stripped away, not just my acting, but 
you know, like my family, there was a lot of family things that were happening that was crazy. And it was really just me sitting down and really asking myself why I wanted to do this. Mm. You know, I kind of, it, it was like the, everything was kind of breaking down. You know, my I felt like my life was in shambles. Although now looking back, it was just so overly dramatic. But yeah, sure. I felt like, you know, everything was just breaking down. And it just made me question why I even wanted to do this. You know, I started really seeing how superficial my dreams were. And so I've always wanted to be an international human rights lawyer because I want to change the world and I want to help people. And that's what I want to do. So I'm like, so why on earth do I want to be an actor? And then I thought, I was like, maybe it's because I'm going to make so much money as an actor that I can influence people in a different way and I could change the world that way. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I really sat down and I was like, wow, it's really not about the money. I want to be an actor because just finding out why you really want to do the things that you are compelled to do. Yeah. And when I really sat down to try and figure it out, I realized that being an actor, I'm a storyteller and I'm actually a very empathetic person to be able to take on somebody else's shortcomings, really, because that's yeah. what we want to watch. That's the interesting thing. When people are down and out, when people are in their negative places, when people are acting in very ego centered way of thinking, you know, like ego well, or egocentric way of thinking. So those are the people that we videotape. Those are the people that, you know, we film and we want to like learn about their lives because it's interesting. But I just realized that I wanted to be those people because I felt like that was one of the most empathetic things that I can do was take on these people, show them to the world and say that there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like we're all different and we're all trying to figure this thing out called life. And there's nothing wrong with being different and being able to kind of take that on, go out and present that to the world and be a supporter for people that, you know, look this way or that way and not feeling like they're connected, which is that's all we want as a human being is like we want to be connected. And that's what my art form does. And I feel like above all, it's as an actor, you have the opportunity to showcase all of this and to change people in a way that really affects the world, which is their heart. And that's what I realized that that's why I want to be an actor, because as a lawyer, I could stand up there and I can lobby and I could argue about a million different things and I can, you know, beg all different levels of governments to do X, Y, and Z for me, but it won't matter unless you change somebody's way of thinking, you change somebody's heart. And I knew that for me, when I was a child, TV was a huge part of my life and TV really did impact the way that I saw the world and saw people. And I just realized that it's such an amazing art form on that level. It doesn't just entertain people, but it gives people an outlet. You can live in these little bubbles where you don't know what else is out there. Mm -hmm. And and that's what acting is for me. And I mean, when I really sat down and figured that out for myself, that's when it didn't matter how much money I made. It didn't matter how perfect that audition was. I started to embrace my shortcomings and my failures and started to re see the beauty and imperfection. That's when I felt like my career started to take off. And that's when I felt like I, because I started getting more invested in my work and what I was doing and the love of it, as opposed to just the superficial side of it. And that's when I really felt like there was a huge change in everything and just momentum and everything just started changing hmm. that. And I would definitely say positive thinking, always staying yeah. positive. I remember I read Eckhart Tolle's book just at the lowest point on my journey. I felt like I was at the lowest point and I read Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, and it just completely changed my life. 
the only thing that I really took away from that book that I actively started trying to do was see every time I was negative. And it was so amazing because just that one thing changed everything. I just, I realized how negative I'd become. And I realized that that wasn't me because he really kind of separates you where he's like, there's, there's this part of you. And then there's the negative part of you, which is kind of like the ego. And there's the positive part of you or the real part of you, really the one that lives in peace and love. And that person that's always under there, that's like, that understands the world that can laugh at the insanity that's happening, happening out there. It's like, you know, the real you, but it's sometimes the ego you and that loud voice in your head that is so negative can be so strong. And the more you feed it, it gets stronger. And that was the one thing that I took away from it, where I just was like, I'm just going to see that voice and not listen to it. It felt like I really had to work at it for like a week. And then all of a sudden I felt like I became a positive person again and everything in my life started changing. I started looking at things differently. I started appreciating things more. And yeah, and I feel like that's, those two things are really the only way that you can, I guess, get out of those periods of time. It's really figuring out why you want to do what you do and then changing the way you're thinking and just being more positive and knowing that you're going to get what you need to get because It has to happen. If you look at something that you want or a goal without another alternative, just that that's what's going to happen. That's how I see that it's going to happen. And there's no other alternative, then there's nothing else that can happen. As long as you focus on that and you don't focus on all of the other negative things that can get in the way. Yeah, that is so true with the negativity stuff. It's amazing how that will consume your life. And all it Mm -hmm. is is like, well, you know, for example, right now it's windy. I don't like wind. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> am I focusing on the wind or am I focusing on the fact that, hey, the leaves are starting to come out and it's beautiful blue sky and it's warm out? Yeah. You know, am I, what am I focusing on? And oh, yeah. you're so right about that. I have to ask you, have you ever experienced in your life when you were negative? Did you ever experience mm-hmm. a time where people were like, I just can't wait to be around Michelle. She's so negative. Did you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, see, that's the thing, right? Then then all of a sudden you're feeling like you're losing friends or you don't have the same relationships. Yeah. And it's like everything starts kind of coming down. Like it's like once one thing is bad, then it's like everything is bad. And it really life is really like that. Like yeah. you really are like a magnet and you're attracting to you whatever you put out into the world. You yeah. know, like that the so laws of attraction or the, that way of thinking, I think is so true. Yeah. And you see it every day. You see it. the people who are the most negative are usually the people who who don't have anything or a lot, they have a lot of things to be negative about, you know, it's like those negative things just keep coming towards them. And I feel like once you start working at it a little bit, it's so much easier to be positive. You know what I mean? But it doesn't feel that way because you're like, our minds just go to the negative right away, but it's, you're so much lighter and happier when you can see a positive in every situation, just like you were saying with the wind, like there's always a positive side to everything. It's just like if you choose to always focus on the negative, then you're only going to see the negative, but you'll never see, you know, the bright blue sky and the beautiful leaves blowing around and everything like that because yeah. you're so busy looking at the damn wind that you can't stand. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true. Okay, but you mentioned that people want to watch others' shortcomings, you know, when they're down and out, that kind of thing. How does mm-hmm. that, like, how, how would you kind of equate that with positive thinking though? Well, I think people are attracted to that because it makes them feel like they're not alone. Uh, okay. Um, like that. And that's why I love I love shows that don't just show that, but also show another side or show the end of that to kind of give people hope that there is light at the end of the tunnel, no matter what you're going through. 
And I feel personally, it's all about what you put in your mind. Like oh, your yeah. mind is the most powerful thing in your body. And if you just believe it and you send out positive vibes, then you know, you're always going to get that energy back. But yeah. yeah, I feel like in terms of our addiction to negativity, I'm hoping and I feel like that is changing even in television, you know, like because there I felt like there was a period where there was a lot more reality TV and not to bash reality TV, but there was a lot more reality TV and we were really obsessed, but on a really negative level where we were weren't looking at anything positive. Yeah. We were only looking at people doing these negative things and living in these egocentric worlds and indulging in all of these negative things without any end game, without any positive payoff. And now I feel like everything has shifted with like TV and a lot of premium cable getting so big and, and a lot of these streaming platforms like Netflix and Hulu and all of them. And they're just, they're all creating content now and yeah. amazing content. Yeah. And as sad as it is, the film industry is not the way it used to be, but it's allowing a lot of other indie filmmakers to do a lot of amazing powerful transformative work and you know that's where the beauty is you know because they're you see even just moonlight moonlight from um <laughs> that fiasco at the oscars <laughs> <laughs> but like you know it's like we're telling when the world is getting into this place where they're telling stories about everybody and yeah. we're doing it we're putting like a really hopefully a positive slant on it in the end where it connects us all you know and i feel like that's the type of projects that I want to work on. And that's the type of stuff that I like to watch. So that's good. Yeah. You know, the power of storytelling, it's been around, you know, forever. And, and I love, mm-hmm. uh, cause you know, you hear people who will say, Oh, you know, TV and movies are a waste of time and I don't, I don't watch those. And I thought, yeah, but mm-hmm. storytelling really changes people one way or the other. Yeah. Ideally it's mm-hmm. changing them for the better. And I like how you talked about, yes, you're not alone, but we're going to give you hope. We're going to give you positivity. We're going to give you a solution even that's what we need more of because people do relate much more to stories than they do emotionless facts. Although may- yeah. maybe some people do, I don't know, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I'm sure that there are know. some people out there that, yeah, that facts can change everything. Yeah. But I feel like, like on a, when you look at the bigger picture, I feel like us as human beings, we're, we're visual people. We yeah. love like seeing moving pictures is just something that like, that's the reason why, now it's like TV's getting a bad name because we have all these couch potatoes and all of that stuff. But it's the reason why people can't help just sitting back and watch it and be entertained by it. I feel like it's important for us, especially like actors and filmmakers in our industry, to always remember that because we have this opportunity where people are obsessed with TV and with movies right now, we have to use it as a platform to make a difference and to show different sides of humanity and to create empathy so that we all understand that we're all the same, no matter where we come from, no matter how we look, no matter our religious affiliations and all of that stuff. It has such little to do with this life that we're living right now and so much more to do with other things, positive things, you know, changing the world. But yeah, I like how you got into acting and you've learned why you're in it now. You understand, you know, the real reason why you're doing it. You're wanting to help people. You're wanting to change the world. What specifically would you like to see come as a result of your acting? It could be a couple things. I think just more, <laughs> just more compassion for yeah. people. I feel like we live in a world, and especially now with like phones and stuff like that. I feel like everybody's in their own little bubble more and more. And I just want, I want less racism. <laughs> across the board for everybody you know i want less i want people to just 
get each other and to just, I mean, the biggest change that I can see in this world is really just people understanding that we're all the same. Everybody understands that a black dog and a white dog, they're both still dogs. Everybody yeah. understands that a Doberman and a Collie are the same species. But for some reason, we don't feel that way about our own species, which yeah. if I could see more of that, which I love that, you know, I was lucky enough to live in a city where I didn't see the ugliness. But, you know, like especially recently, I feel like there's been a lot of ugliness out there that's being showcased in the media and in the news and stuff like that that, you know, around the world, there's just, there's still so much negativity and so much hate for people just because of our own insecurities, you know, just because of us not feeling good enough or yeah. um, oh, yeah. our fear of something, you know, it really has yeah. very little to do with the other person and has a lot more to do with us as human beings, like just not feeling, feeling connected and not feeling secure yeah, in our own I selves. Right. I would just love to just see more compassion in the world and more empathy for people who are other or people who are not like you and just, yeah. Which is everybody. We're, we're none of yeah. us are like each other, but we're all valued. See, I, I like to push the idea that each of us should be valued equally, regardless of, like you said, regardless, we're all human beings. We all need that value one way or the other, but yet we're all different because we have different experiences and we come from different places and all that, but that doesn't make us less valuable. And that's, that's the but big what thing. I think is so interesting is that because even though we're so different and we all have different experiences and we come from different places, we also have very similar experiences. Just like yeah. you were saying that yeah. you went through, it was totally different circumstances, but just through hearing what I said, you can pinpoint very specific times in your life that is very parallel to my life. And totally. I feel like that's everybody in the world. You know, like we can find millions of people that we can parallel we can say that our lives are so similar yeah. people that are from all different walks of life and and i feel like that's what you learn if you are on a spiritual journey you know what i mean if you are on if you're living your life and you you've decided that life is more than work and money and career and you decide that you want to do soul searching i feel like that's the very first thing that you realize because for me i felt like before when i was in that negative place one thing that i did notice was that that I changed about myself that I felt like made a huge difference just with my own understanding about the world was that I my parents raised me in a way where you do not air your dirty laundry mm -hmm. you just don't talk about mm -hmm. you you know you don't talk about anything you know you just put on a happy face and and because of that I am a pretty shelled person for sure it takes a little while to kind of break my shell and get in there but <laughs> when I was kind of do, going through this period of my life of just changing the way that I was thinking, I just started talking about things that I would never talk about before. Like my mom, who has, who's battled depression my whole life, pretty much, which I'd never, ever discussed because it was like a family thing. You don't yeah. talk about this stuff. But then the more I talked about it, the more I told people about it, the more I realized, hey, one of my best friends, I didn't even really know that her dad was a severe alcoholic her whole life. I was like, wow, I never knew that. And then it's like finding this other person because I spoke about my life. Another good friend of mine, you know, I found out another big secret that is not really a secret, but it's just that we've never vocalized it because those are things that you just don't talk about. Yeah, totally. And the more you talk about things that are uncomfortable talking about, the more you realize that we're all the same. Yeah. You know, oh, like yeah. I remember I met somebody and I was talking about, you know, having a lot of issues with my parents in terms of money and giving money and all of this stuff. And then I found out that a person that I would never think of had 
almost the exact same issues that they had gone through. And I was able to kind of give her a different way of, you know, looking at it or thinking about it. But yeah, I feel like the more you just talk about your life and the more you talk about your experiences and the more you talk about your problems and especially the things that you don't want to talk about, that's when you realize that we're so similar and we're all the same and we're all on the same journey and we're just all going through the exact same experiences at different times in different ways. Yeah. I guess we're all on the same rainbow. You're getting to the pot of gold, you <laughs> yeah, know. We're yeah. just all different colors. We've all different ways of getting there, but we're all going. We're all on the same path. I think. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. You bring that up. I've heard the same kind of thing. You know, the schools of thoughts where it's like, you know, you should share everything, and others just say, no, that's, you know, that's not for anyone else. And and I finally came to the conclusion that I feel like we should be as transparent as is beneficial to the next person. So yeah. you know, if it doesn't benefit them, then there's probably no reason to share it. Um, exactly. And not I to agree. mention it could be negative, right? It could actually hurt them. Mm-hmm. So I think that if it helps them, if it makes them feel, as you said earlier, not alone, you know, that, mm-hmm. that they can give them hope. And, and yeah, I, I think it's really powerful. Have you seen 13 Reasons Why yet? Have you watched I that? watched the first episode and I'm starting, I'm, I'm on it, but I literally watched it yesterday because I'm like, oh, this has been following me. 13 yeah. Reasons Why has been following me, but it seems yeah. really interesting. I had a friend who said, you know, it, it's a must well, he said it's a must watch for parents, but I thought, you know, <laughs> really? yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, I guess I can see that. Yeah. And I've, I've watched part of it and it's been powerful, but I got to thinking, well, I know I'm not alone, but I've experienced a lot of what this main character went through. Mm. I was bullied heavily and not even just as a kid, but even as an adult too. And it's just like, it really messes you up. And so, yeah, I think it is a good thing that, you know, there are now stories out there that says this does happen. You're not alone. Yeah. Let's find some solutions. Let's do this right. Like you said, compassion and empathy. Oh my gosh. We so need more of that. (laughs) Yes. We need a lot more of that in this world. But I was severely bullied. Well, I wasn't severely bullied. I shouldn't say that. My older sister was bullied way more than I was. But yeah, I was definitely a, I would say I was a loner because I was such a sheltered person. I did go through when I was, it was more elementary school, but when people would try to bully me, I would just disengage. And I was really good at it. I was able to kind of push people away to the point that I just, I could sense that somebody was a negative person and I would just stay away from them. And then if I felt like they were all really cliquey, because we moved around a lot. We went to a lot of different schools. I went to, I think about seven different elementary schools before I was 10. So we moved around a lot. There was, you know, a year that I went to two different schools in the same year. I could sense kind of like who people were a little bit. And if I felt like they were, a little bit negative or they would you know pick at me or tease me i would just not try to be people's friend and i would just i was very content with being a loner <laughs> yeah. but because of that i felt like by the time i got to high school i had a really good understanding of who i was and that i couldn't get derailed by a lot of the things that completely destroyed a lot of people but peer pressure all of those things came a lot easier for me just because I knew when I was a nerd, these same people didn't like me. You know what I mean? It was like at the end of elementary school, going into high school, we came from a very small elementary school. So by grade eight, I kind of had a rapport with everybody, but I was definitely still like a loner or on the nerdier side, chilling with the nerdier people. And then as soon as I got to high school, it was like all different cliques, you know, I plucked my eyebrows. I <laughs> I looked totally different. Yeah. And and then all of a sudden I was kind of a cool kid. And it was interesting for me because I was a nerd in a cool kid's body. It was a really interesting experience <laughs> because I felt like I now had this 
amazing opportunity to look at the world from this side now. It was so interesting to me because I felt like it made me a better person where even though I was cooler or more popular, it was like I would never really, you know, go after or tease people or try and like do the things that were done to me. It was like now I looked at the world a little differently. Do you know what I mean? When you're kind of on the other side. Yeah, I, I have a very similar story on that too. Kind of grew up kind of nerdy and then, you know, for some reason all of a sudden was, I think it was because I did radio and I did our radio station and I was a pianist. So mm-hmm. I went from being, you know, the nerd to, oh, he's cool. Yeah. Oh, what? he's kind of cool. I kind of yeah, like what, what he's talking about. And you're, yeah. You see all sides again and you kind of go, hey, you know what? And I used, I used to be able to stand up for the nerds that would get beat up and yeah, exactly. they wouldn't mess with me. It was really interesting. <laughs> so no, I totally understand exactly what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and oh, it's a really cool. cool experience because then you really start to look at it and you're like, wow. So you just teased me because I looked a certain way and because, but you didn't really know who I was. And now that I look like this, now you're getting to know who I am and now you like me, which is yeah. interesting. But so now when you tell me to smoke this or try that, I'm not really going to just listen to you blindly, you know, like I really felt like I had stronger head on my shoulders because I had that experience of being a nerd and just kind of watching that. I understood that it was just more sides to people and, you you know, you just can't. No, it gives you a tremendous ability and opportunity to truly help people that need it. It really does. And to have empathy for people that need it. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. I appreciate you sharing all this. This was really encouraging. Thank you. Thank you. No, of course. I was like, I don't know. What are we going to talk about today? And now it turned into such an enlightened conversation. I know. Awesome. See, that's, that's how I do my conversations. I, you know, it's like I have a couple questions, but I like to let the story flow. Because like you said, you're a storyteller and I, I love unfolding stories. Yeah. And finding out the interesting bits and pieces and parts. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I know we, we got to let you go, but what are you working on right now as far as, you know, what would you like us to to check out and, or how do we get in touch with you or see what you're doing and all that good stuff? Well, if you want to, you know, see what I'm doing, get in touch with me. You can check me out on Twitter at Michelle Morgan one. That's M I S H A E L M O R G A N. And the number one. And I did that because somebody would stolen my Twitter before I created Twitter. So I decided to just put one. But my girlfriend was like, it's funny because you're you're called the real Brian show. My girlfriend yeah. said, why didn't you just put the real Michelle Morgan? I'm yes. like, oh, that's such a, it's a much cooler name than Michelle Morgan one. But I guess that was the nerd in me again <laughs> coming out. <laughs> I was just like, whatever is going to fix this right now. Yeah. And for Instagram, it's just Michelle Morgan, M-I-S-H-A-E-L-M-O-R-G-A-N. And and other than that, you can check me out on Young and the Restless every single day, um, Monday to Friday <laughs> on your local station. But that's what I'm working on right now, mainly. But I am still, you know, auditioning for guest star spots and features. So you might see me in something else soon. Love it. Never know. I hope so. Yeah. And then on the writing front, me and Andrea, my girl, a good friend of mine, have been working on a pilot, which we're, we seem to be getting really close to getting some traction on it, but it's basically a pilot about past lives, which mm. is another thing that that is interesting to me. And it's gone through a lot of revisions, but it's essentially about past lives and the interconnectivity of human beings and human relations and just how we are all one. And playing around with that idea that Maybe we were all one at some point in history, which is kind of cool. So, yeah, so we've been writing, well, working on that, writing that and trying to get some movement behind that, which cross our fingers. It looks like there might be 
So we'll see what happens. But yeah, but that's pretty much all that's happening with me. Love it. And then you can check me out at the local park with my baby, with my <laughs> 20 month year old baby. I'm always there. Awesome. Oh, I love it. Michelle, thank you so much for your time today. This was great. Thank you so much. It was so nice speaking to you, Brian. All right. Well, please check out what Michelle's doing. All of the links in the show notes, realbrianshow.com. Just go there, check it out. But my gosh, what a powerful story. Michelle, thank you so much again for everything you shared today. And we will be back on Friday for, you know, Superhero Friday. Anything goes, we're going to have a great time. Love to hear from you. You know that. Thanks for joining me. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I am The Real Brian signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.